It's Monday, January 23rd, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Stock Advisor, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, and the Chief Investment Officer of the Motley Fool, Andy Cross. Gentlemen, happy Monday. Hi, Chris. Hey there, Chris. Uh, we're going to do a round of overvalued, undervalued, and underreported. That's when the guys come to the table with a couple of stocks they think are overvalued, a couple that are undervalued, and a couple of the stories that, uh, frankly, the financial media might be missing and what opportunities there could be for investors. Let's start with the overvalued stocks. Andy Cross, what do you got on your list? Um, I'm going to go with Zynga, Chris. Zynga, the, the internet gaming the company. internet um, social gaming yep. company just came public in December. <laughs> Stock is actually down from the public offering. Came out with a lot of fanfare. Now this I mean this this is the game online social gaming company. This is the these Farmville, are the people Farmville Mafia Wars yep. you know on Facebook tied very closely to Facebook the a lot of growth tied to Facebook. It's profitable, it's growing, so nothing wrong with that. It's just that I don't like to get on companies right after the, their IPOs. Um, there's a lot of momentum around this company. The stock is, it's, the company now is at $6 billion. It's, the market has it at $6 billion. Um, when I look at the momentum behind a lot of these games and the profitability that each user generates, so the way they make money is through virtual goods. So you, you, you don't you don't necessarily buy the games. Yep. You buy virtual goods inside the games. I'm, I'm playing Farmville and I'm buying some car- some virtual yep. carrots exactly. for $3. Virtual carrots for $3. Right. There you go. Um, I just look at the marketplace. I look at what the competitive atmosphere is, even though they are the largest one. And I just think long term, especially now after the IPO so soon, I just think Zynga is uh, not a place that, that most investors should be looking to put their money. Oh, well, And we've talked about other... Uh, gaming companies in this room before. I'm thinking primarily of a company like Activision Blizzard, but even Electronic Arts. Is uh, is there an opportunity for those companies? Because as you said, Zynga is tied so closely to Facebook. As long as they can maintain that, um, they're they're probably in okay shape. But is there an opportunity for an EA or an Activision Blizzard to step in and, and steal that? Space? Well, that's that's the thing with that space. There's, there's an opportunity. I mean, we never knew about Zynga mm. a few years ago either. So. Um, I think the the landscape for the internet is so competitive. Switching costs just tend to kind of you jump from one game to the next. Some of Zynga's recent um, games haven't cracked the top um, most popular games on online, um, even though they still have such a, a nice franchise with some of those other um, games like Farmville uh, and Mafia Wars. Um, so I think EA um, and some of the other game makers, and maybe a game maker next year that we don't even know of right now, or at least yeah. that I don't know of right now, yeah. um, will st- strike gold out there on Facebook. So I think that when you look at that, paying right so close to the, to the um, IPO and um, at, at, a, at a price earnings multiple exceedingly high, although that's these high growth companies do do that. So I'm not putting a whole lot of stake in the in the relative um, multiple of um, the earnings stream for a company like Zynga, I'm just looking at so close to the IPO, at least let it wait out for a little bit. Like Just let some of the momentum kind of get out from the stock and see what happens with some of the founders that have, uh, and some of the uh, shareholders who are already in the stock. Yeah, and you know also, I mean, we've seen in Activision Blizzard's calls quarters ago even, they're really starting to devote a lot of resources to mobile gaming now as well. So they see you know, the opportunity there and with the financial resources and the balance sheet they have. 
you know, that's that's a tough one to go up against. Well, and also so tied to Facebook. I mean, like, yep. it's great. Facebook is <laughs> we all know the, the the juggernaut that Facebook is, but Zynga is tied exclusively to Facebook right now, and that's a lot of um, negotiating power in Definitely. Facebook's hands mm-hmm. rather than Zynga's hands. Uh, Jason, what's your overvalued stock? Coming straight from the auto show a couple of weeks ago, and you know, I, I I'm really I like this company and their vision of what they're trying to do in the future. But when I look at Tesla stock today. Um, it seems to me to be very optimistically priced. And, um, <laughs> That's a nice you know, way of putting it. Optimistically <laughs> priced in the sense that, I mean, we've got a company here that is yet to be profitable. And so... You know, this is so Tesla's the electric car maker, and that's the thing is they're focused solely on electric cars. Uh, but you know, coming back from the auto show, what I saw was that the car makers that are really benefiting from this movement to alternative energy uh, fuel uh, vehicles are companies like Ford, uh, where they can develop a number of different technologies from the same platform. Where Tesla's really married to just the electric vehicle, and so you know, before the IPO, when we knew the Roadster was out there, and that's that you know hundred and fifty thousand dollar electric car, which is obviously unaffordable for I don't know. Anyone really? <laughs> but <laughs> maybe uh, the three no of one us, around here. This maybe the three of us could get together, pull right, our resources, sort of pull and buy a tenth of a car, have yeah. a little timeshare or something on the road. But you know, they they had last year. They they showed the prototype for the Model S, which is the vehicle that they showed off this year at the show, and it's it's their more affordable electric car. And and I say more affordable um, a little bit lightly there because. Yes, you can get it around forty-seven to forty-eight thousand dollars after your federal tax break there, but that's like the very base model. I mean, this car can go all the way up to close to a hundred thousand dollars too, depending on what kind of battery uh, you're looking for, what kind of range. So, you know, when I look at a company like this, that's yes, it's yet to be profitable. They're they're not you know they're not making any cash. They're cash flow negative. Uh, their balance sheet is you know not the most stellar in the world. And and they're competing with the other automakers out there, such as Ford and GM, and even you know Hyundai, the, the company I walked away from the auto show thinking, wow, I mean, this is a company that's still geared towards gasoline cars, but is really uh, making a lot of headway into that to that small car market. To me, Tesla has a long road ahead, and uh, like I said, I like the company, but today's stock price is just too optimistic for me. Well, and the other thing, Jason, is there are there are a lot of companies that are still benefiting from this movement from combustible engines getting more and more efficient. I mean, now we're up to you know forty to fifty oh, yeah. miles a gallon. Yep. So you have companies that we follow in the Stock Advisor, Borg Warner for one, which makes efficient um, dr- uh, drive engine components for cars. I mean, those kinds of companies, Ford, BMW. I mean, those ones that are just dependent on the old kind of combustible engine, um, there's a lot of efficiencies to be had in that space, and we're going to see them over the next few years. So Definitely. I mean, the rental I got there at uh, the Ford Focus, just gasoline rental, it was getting 40 miles to the gallon, which to me is, you know, that's really impressive. And considering the infrastructure that we have out there for gasoline engines, uh, you know, Tesla's got a long way to go. Let's move over to the undervalued stocks. Andy, you're up first. What's what's a stock you think is undervalued right now? Uh, staying with uh, some of the companies we follow in the Stock Advisor, Coach, the fashion icon, leather handbag maker. Actually, make much more than just leather handbags. Mm-hmm. All kinds of handbags. It's done very well for us in in Stock Advisor. We we bought it and have held it for years. But the thing I still like about its future prospects is. Um, they have China on the horizon. Mm-hmm. So um, even though I know we've, there's been some, some concerns on some slowdowns in China, there's still a lot of um, people in China and a growing middle class who will be spending a lot more dollars um, on, on, on goods like Coach makes. So we have a China explosion. And they're also going more and more into the men's market, too. So you have a very well-run company, a company that came out of the 
uh, recession and the financial difficulties um, really well by reorienting a lot of their products, doubling down on what the consumer wants. They're very, very consumer friendly or very consumer focused. They came out with these new lines, got their members in. We saw a really great resurgence in their business. And now we have this international opportunity and we have a, a, a shifting um, more and more of a focus on um, some men's products too. So like Jason may end up with a coach wallet or a, you know. It's very possible. And <laughs> may I just say for any of you guys out there having trouble finding gifts for your significant others, Coach also makes a wonderful gift card. I can't say enough good things about it. <laughs> yeah, it certainly does. So I think when I look at the opportunity for coaching, you're not paying a lot of money on the earnings stream, you know, somewhere in between the 15, 18 times earnings. That's just for a company like Coach with that kind of brand power, brand recognition, global opportunity, I like Coach for the long term. Jason, what's your undervalued stock? Let's go with toys. Right? Let's Everybody go with toys. Everybody loves toys. Uh, I'm going to go with Mattel here today. Uh, Mattel, we all know, is the big you know, international toy maker, and it's either Mattel or Hasbro, but you've got all their toys under your Christmas tree. Barbie. Christmas morning. Whole yeah, lot of Barbie. As the father of two girls, I've got more <laughs> Barbie stuff than I can handle right now, and that's okay. Uh, it certainly keeps them very entertained, but uh, you know, it's that Barbie uh, brand along with the other brands, Fisher-Price, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, Mattel just continues to really continues to really perform, and I think you know, one of the things about toys to me is that they really are timeless in nature. I mean, we're always going to have kids. You know, kids are just going to always be a part of the population. We need to get them, keep them entertained. We were just talking about kids' toys here before we started taping today. And, mm-hmm. you know, from the stuffed animals to the games to, you know, and I mean, now we obviously have Kindles and, and uh, iPods and things uh, to, to compete with. But, you know, Mattel and, and other toy companies are embracing that technology and making their uh, products available through that technology. Your board game, like Trivial Pursuit, where you might have played the board game, uh, you know, 10 years ago. Now you can get the app for it. It's a lot of fun. You don't have to worry about carrying around the board of the cards and rolling the <laughs> dice or anything. Uh, but, you know, to me, I think we're looking at uh, – I think that Mattel and even Hasbro, to a certain degree, are, are undervalued because of, you know, prolonged economic challenges that we continue to face, uh, along with just the number of different substitutes out there for, for entertainment dollars and really – you know, when I say entertainment dollars, I mean, I really mean not just toys, but everything that we have out there that, that our kids can use to entertain themselves now, because it really does start earlier now than I think ever before, uh, where kids are able to get things like iPods and Kindle fires and whatnot. So it's not just your toys that maybe we grew up with and, and you know, might not be having a Saturday night board game night um, like we used to have. But I think that you know, when you look at it historically speaking, uh, Mattel has traded for around uh, a little bit better than 16 times earnings. It's, that's mm-hmm. an average of the past decade. It's trading now for around 14. Uh, so that can give you at least a little bit of an idea of its relative valuation there. And I think looking at it just uh, from a stock price uh, point of view, I think it's about 15% or so undervalued. It sports a 3.2% dividend yield. Um, you know, the Historically speaking, you know, kids are just the population of children is growing in this country, and it'll it'll continue to grow, and uh, that's why I love the market, I love the company, and um, you got a toy toy market out there that's about eighty four billion dollars big, Chris. It's a lot of money. You know, interesting <laughs> that. Um uh, Mattel always seemed to be a little second fiddle to Hasbro, at least over the last few years. Yet Mattel's stock price last two years up 40%. Hasbro's about flat. Yeah, and I looked at the two companies to get a comparison there. I think that part of that over this over these recent couple of years, Mattel's about twice as big. Uh, Mattel sports a better net margin, and they have a, a better balance sheet position. So I think you, you do see some sort of back and forth with the two companies. They're, they're the two major players. Um, and, and Mattel, I think, just because of its size and its resources, has, performing, uh, has been performing better as of late. Let's move over to the underreported stories. And again, there's 
so much information that is thrown at investors, uh, whether it's on television or online or whatever. But there, it still seems like when you're looking for investment opportunities, there are still stories that are just not getting a lot of coverage, and that's really where the opportunity is for investors. So, what's what's one underreported story that's uh, on your radar? Well, it's funny. I'll I'll juxtapose one underreported that I think is underreported with one that that has gotten so much press, mm-hmm. and that's natural gas versus oil. Nat, the whole natural gas story, natural gas prices have really come down. Yep. There's been an explosion of interest in natural gas um, drilling and activity here in the U.S. Jim Cramer goes to North Dakota and like you know <laughs> takes trips and talks about all the huge opportunity and it is there, we have North Dakota engineers getting paid lots of money to go up there and yep. they have uh, unemployment in the in the very low single digits up there um, and in other drilling communities too and we have the, all the interest in fracking and all of this around natural gas I think the oil service companies and oil services in general have really kind of been left to the side, especially after the BP oil sure. explosion in, in the Gulf. Yeah. Where I like and where we, we've been looking a little bit and, and um, recently here in Stock Advisor as well is um, in some of the oil services companies, companies like National Oil Well, companies like Ocean um, Earing, um, Ocean Earing uh, International, which basically support the drillers with all different kinds of services. And those companies, I think, um, and that story really hasn't been played out or hasn't been um, respected as much as you've seen with some of the natural gas stories. So the opportunity for in, in oil, we're still a world that's so dependent on oil, even with a little slowdown in China, on China's growth slows down, you know, from like 9%, 10% down to 8.5%. China is still a huge consumer of oil. The US, we still use a lot of oil. So I still think the oil service um, area is a place where investors can be looking for some, um, some nice wins. Uh, what's the big challenge for these types of companies? Because uh, I, you're right. I mean, we, we've even on this podcast talked recently about natural gas hit, uh, prices hitting a 28th month low, yeah. uh, and so obviously there are opportunities there. But you know, in terms of their operations, what's what's sort of the the big challenge that these companies face? Well, so the price of oil, obviously, it's so much of the drilling activity, just like natural gas, is dependent on the price of oil. Um, oil now is when it hovers around that hundred dollar you know mark. That's that's all been good has been gone from 75 up to 100, been mm-hmm. good for these oil service companies. Um, but still, the slowdown after the BP oil disaster in the Gulf, we're just now, and we will through 2012, start to see more and more drilling kind yep. of come online. So tied together with it's so t- it's so closely tied, the activity is so closely tied to the price of oil and the activity um, around the, the um, drilling for that oil is so tied to the, the price of that commodity and the fact that it's, that it's heavily regulated and there are concerns around, still around environmental concerns around um, drilling disasters. I think those are some headwinds that face. But you look at the next few years, I mean, you know, even with interest in electric cars and more fuel efficient vehicles, gas, is gonna go, gas and oil is going to be in demand. Jason, what about you? Yeah, I'll sort of just piggyback off what Andy was saying there and take the other side of the card there, so to speak, and and go a little bit with the natural gas angle. And really, I like both sides there with with oil and natural gas. And and we've been getting a lot of press lately with natural gas being at record low prices. Sure. but you know, ha- having seen you know this this big push for alternative energy uh, at the at the auto show, for example, and just just seeing the push for natural gas, the new drilling techniques, the fracking, the way we can get get to all this new natural gas supply, um, you know, there there are companies out there that I think will that will continue to take advantage of this and really push the agenda for natural gas going forward. And really, when you look at it, they natural gas and oil kind of benefit each other as their prices rise. So, in other words, when oil prices rise, as 
as I believe over the long term they're, they're just they have to do. Uh, you know, it's going. You know, we're going to be looking for other. You know economically uh, affordable ways to, to you know get our energy and natural gas is certainly one of those ways uh, so when you look for companies that may benefit from this you can look for the 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 energy providers, uh, the the exploration and production companies, um, and then other companies that are looking to build out that infrastructure. And one of those companies is T Boone Pickens' uh, interest in clean energy fuels, yep. uh, ticker CLNE, I believe. And um, you know, this is one that I, I man, I remember started I started looking at it a couple of years ago, and it just it it piqued my interest just because of the whole nature of, of energy. But uh, he has a significant stake in this company, about twenty five percent of the shares outstanding, and some more warrants I believe that are coming due soon. Uh, but essentially, this company, uh, they are they design and build, they finance and operate these natural gas fueling stations, and they focus on these big fleet customers. So, you know, we're talking trucks, we're talking uh, public transit, trash companies, Republic is one, and uh, waste management, I believe, waste management, I believe they're yep. in, uh, you know, in the works for a contract with them as well. But uh, Clean Energy Fuels is working on building out this infrastructure uh, across the nation, coast to coast, and it's the, uh, the natural gas highway they call it, where they're going to really support the trucking industry. Uh, relationships with other sto- with another stock advisor company, Westport Innovations, that uh, has the technology to, tra- to to convert diesel engines over to natural gas are, are you know, showing showing uh, showing promise. And, and so I, I look for companies like that. I don't think they really get a whole lot of press right now because they're still somewhat speculative. Mm-hmm. But when you have a company like that with the backing of someone like T. Boone, I mean, we know yep. he, he's a pretty smart guy when it comes to energy, and so and so I've been keeping an eye on it. He's also got some pretty deep pockets. Deep pockets, indeed. <laughs> no doubt about it. You know what I like about that, Jason, is that it, it goes to show you that you can. In, there's not really a zero sum um, situation in investing because oh, you yeah. can invest in a in an industry right. like like oil, which is huge, gigantic. We consume lots of oil. There's a lot of very well run, stable players that have been here for decades. Juxtapose in for part of your portfolio. Juxtapose against. Um, maybe a little bit more um, innovative, uncertain, maybe a little bit more speculative. Put a smaller part of your portfolio in something like um, alternative energy, clean energy, um, Westport, whatever it may be. And you can you can invest both ways, Chris, is, is the nice thing about that. It's not necessarily – you don't have to be just one monolithic type of investor. Okay. Andy Cross, Jason Moser. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow. <laughs>